Getting you set for the Broncos preseason opener with the Cardinals tonight. Here's the Players Club. I look to you as it fell, and now you're in my way. I trade my soul for a wish, pennies and dimes for a kiss. I wasn't looking for this, but now you're in my way. Your service holding. Red jeans, skin was showing. Johnny, let that thing breathe, Johnny. Turn it up, baby. I just met you. This is crazy. Don't hear my number. So call me, maybe. There you go, Chad, baby. I love it. It's Friday. Got me in here. It's Friday. Chad, Broncos are playing their first preseason game today. Let's ride, baby. Let's ride, huh? There we go. Are we bringing back Let's Ride? We bringing it back the threes. Let's ride. He said, Russ is saying, what, go Broncos? Uh, go go Broncos. Broncos. That's yes. what he's finishing. Yeah. He's got to understand that, hey, just don't say anything after a loss, right? <laughs> that, that, like, that's where it started last year, the let's ride after Seattle. And then, you know, people just started looking at us under a microscope, and it became a laughing stock thing. So I, I, believe I, in it, believe in it, believe I, in it. I like the one where he started to walk away from the podium was like, oh, right. <laughs> had to step back. Let's ride. <laughs> Keep on walking off the stage. That was maybe the best one for me. Tonight's first first preseason game, Chad. What what are the things that are most anticipated to see tonight against the Cardinals when you look at this Broncos football team? All right, that was Raj Sharon who popped in and was all excited. So I'm not quite as excited as Raj is because it's a preseason game. There's <laughs> some things to be figured out here, but uh, yes, I'm excited to start the Sean Payton era. Uh, let me see. We we talked about it earlier. I want to see the coordination of things from a coaching perspective. Um, plays getting in on time. Plays getting in maybe enough ahead of time where the quarterback can actually be at the line of scrimmage and operate from the line of scrimmage and do some things like like that. I want to see the court. I want to see the stacking up of of plays. Let's see a run, run. Ooh, play action pass. Another run. Oh, there's a boot off of that. I want to see the 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 coordination of the offense where we're showing the defense certain things to take advantage of things that the defense is going to do in response to things that we do. You think you'll see that in, in, tonight? You think you'll see kind of like a, a correlation of plays where, okay, here, wide zone, and here's now off that same action, we'll, we'll see a, a pass off that later on. To, like, you think that you'll see the the cohesiveness of a offense and, you know, to, you know, setting things up. You think we'll see that tonight in, in the first preseason game? No, I don't think Sean Payton's going to be, work for a quarter and a half to try to manufacture the perfect matchup to get a deep ball over everybody's head. It's not going to be that level of coordination. But the offense will have a run where there's a play-action pass off of it. Mm-hmm. The offense will have a run where there's a bootleg off of that. That's how you build this style of offense. And when you're a coach of Sean Payton's experience, you don't put a run in without having something that looks just like it that's different to trip the defense up. So even though it may be just the basics of the offense now, those things are basic to this offense. Uh, again, uh, you know, it's not going to be super game planned. It's not going to be super detailed. He's not going to work, like I said, for a quarter and a half of show the defense this, show the defense this, show the defense this, and eventually a quarter later try to throw a bomb over somebody's head. It's not going to be that detailed of it, but I certainly expect to see, okay, there's an outside zone. Oh, there's a bootleg the opposite way, the next do, series. Do you think Sean Payton will call the game differently with Russell Wilson back there at the quarterback, starting quarterback position and, okay, now we're going to set him. Okay, now we're going to Danucci. Do you think he, if 
there's three different game plans type of thing and, and hey, I'm going to do kind of what these guys do best or what these guys are more comfortable? Or is Sean Payton just calling his offense? I think he's going to call his offense and the plays that they have installed so far. And, you know, he made a point the other day to talk about, hey, we haven't even installed goal line yet. We haven't even done goal line during training camp. So they're working on the core, the very basics of things. They've done a lot of two-minute situations because those come up twice a game in the first half into the game. Versus goal line, you might go three or four weeks without having a goal line series. So they're putting in the things that are going to be most frequently used during the season. But as a interim coach, uh, at least from a defensive perspective, I would tell my third and fourth string guys who are going to play in the second half, make sure you pay attention in the first half because this offensive script you're seeing right now, it's going to repeat itself. Mm-hmm. He didn't put in one first half game plan and then a second half game plan. What you're watching now with the starters, you're going to see those same plays. It's going to be different players on the field. It may not look exactly the same, but these same plays are going to repeat again. So you guys can prepare yourself just by watching what the ones are getting. Yeah, you said you think he's going to run his offense. Is that good or bad for Russell Wilson? Because, you know, fixing Russell Wilson, don't you, you you really want to continue going down this road, right? Russell has been putting together the last, like, four or five days, some great days of training camp. So... So if you're Sean Payton, is it about continuing to build the confidence of your starting quarterback and who, you know, everybody's looking at and can you fix him? Or is it about, you know, continuing to, to feel better with you calling the plays? So is this a good thing for us or bad? I think it's a good thing for us. And Sean Payton running the ball and recognizing uh, that what gives Russ the best chance for success is within Sean Payton's offense. You know, everyone thinks about Drew Brees and Michael Thomas. But they ran the ball really well with the Saints when Sean Payton was there. Mm. So I expect him to continue to do that. Um, it's yeah, it's not Sean Payton coming into become Russ's cheerleader and bowing down to Russ's demands. Russ got himself out of Seattle with that, tried that last year. That did not work. Sean Payton wouldn't be a fool to come in and go down that road again. It's going to be my offense, which is going to be tilted and tuned to give you best chance for success. But let's have no mistakes about it. This is my offense that has been successful for a long time. How should this coaching staff be judged tonight when it comes to situational football? Saw that they had Beninucci out there the other day. Hey, you got a two-minute drill at the end of practice because you're probably going to end up getting one at the end of the game maybe or maybe at the end of the half, depending on if they could get through the ones and twos that fast. So when you look at situational football, how closely do we look at this coaching staff under a microscope tonight when they do get certain crazy situations and now there has to be a little bit of, of a thought process there to get through it where, you know, it's just not your regular first and ten situation? I can't remember the number of situations that Sean Payton he says he has, he has up on the whiteboard. 40 like, plus, right, I think? Was it 48 or 62? <laughs> it, was, it was a huge number. Yeah. And while I, you know, if you, you know, sat me down and said, Chad, come up with all the crazy football situations you can come up with, after about 25, as I get near 30, I'd probably be like, I'm, I'm tapped out. But if I had a chance to look at Sean Payton's list, I'd go, oh, yeah, yeah, okay, yep, yep. I saw that one back in year four, and that one uh, I've seen other people get. I've never experienced that one before. So I can't expect them to have every situation dialed in. But should they be good in two minutes? They've done a lot of two-minute during camp. Should every player on the field understand what four-minute is, both offensively and defensively? Should everybody understand what P and 10 is at first play of every drive. Certain coaches have certain leanings on that, and they want to accomplish certain things on that. So these different situations that are st- 
stock situations in the NFL that you expect to see every game, I would expect this coaching staff to have their players prepared both mentally and physically for each of those situations. Okay, so we talked about situational football. What about the identity, right? You know, we work on the identity of the football team. We've been working on the culture of this football team. Can the identity, can we start seeing some of that identity tonight for the Denver Broncos, or is it still just preseason? Uh, I, I think if you're doing a close observation, you, we should be able to glean some information towards that. Uh, the, the full identity is not going to be revealed. Coaches are going to hold some stuff back for the regular season. Um, it's a work in progress, only being the first preseason game. But again, the expectation of uh, a, a greater dependence upon running the ball to set up the passing game, to give Russell Wilson a chance for a success, hopefully that will be easily identifiable tonight because I think that's what's going to drive this offense this season. Run the ball. I want to see the identity. Yeah. Come on, man. That, only throw the ball when you have to throw the ball. Let's turn this thing into a run fest. Run you, the ball. You, you got Ben Powers, not because he was a great pass blocker, because he was one of the better rated run blocking guards. You got Mike McGlinchey, certainly not for his pass blocking, because he ran a scheme in San Francisco where they ran the ball creatively in a lot of different situations, and he can do that. So you got these guys, and you paid money for these guys from a personnel standpoint. Now let's utilize them to make this offense go. That's what I'm talking about. You know, when you look at the preseason, it always talks about, well, who's going to help theirself and how their stock has been going up. But are there some players that might hurt themselves this preseason? Chad and I discuss that next. Getting you set for the Broncos preseason opener with the Cardinals tonight. Here's the Players Club. Orlando Franklin here, along with Chad Brown. Two-thirds of the Players Club on this lovely Friday morning with you guys today. Our guy Nate, don't know what he's doing, but hopefully everything's all right. Chad, I, I wanted to do this fun little exercise because every time when you look at the preseason, everybody always talks about, you know, this person's stock is going up and he's going to make this football team and he, you know, solidified the role as as a, a starter on this team or, or, you know, just took one of the 53-man roster spots. But I truly believe when you look at the game of football, there's always, as much as there is to gain, there's always that much to lose as well. So I've compiled the list of players, and I just want you to tell me kind of do you think that they help themselves or hurt themselves tonight and why? Okay. You're going to run them down for me? or am I Yeah, gonna yeah. Okay. so I got, I got the depth chart here. I'll start with the offensive line. Lloyd Cushenberry, everything, a lot's been said with him. You know, is he going to finally figure it out? Does Lloyd, you know, help himself tonight? Does he hurt himself tonight? Or And why do you feel that he helps or hurt himself? Uh, I, we've talked about Cushenberry and some of the things, you know, he's left to be desired as far as his play. But I don't think there's a true replacement on this roster. So, Despite I see, despite me seeing him as probably the weakest link on the offensive line of the starting five, uh, we saw Luke Wattenberg last year in some limited action. Kid wasn't ready for prime time. Now you make your biggest improvement between year and year one and year two, but considering uh, all the question marks surrounding Lloyd and he's been able to keep a firm hold in that starting center job, I don't think the coaches see there a possible replacement on this roster. So uh, Lloyd, I certainly want him to play well. But I do not see, unless he just is completely awful out there, him somehow being in jeopardy of losing his job. 
You know what shocked me the most this year so far? Kyle Fuller. I thought that they were going to give him an opportunity to play center, but they've really just been going with Luke Wattenburn with the twos and Alex Forsythe with the threes at the center position and trying to develop those guys. I haven't really seen Kyle Fuller get that opportunity to play center. And maybe that they're thinking, like, hey, we could plug and play this guy at the center position because he's done it already, so trying to get those other guys ready. But, um, no, I would have to agree with you there. Uh, moving along, tight end position. You know, we saw the depth chart come out. Adam Troutman, he's at the top of that thing. Can he help himself and solidify that role, or can he only hurt himself and, and take a couple steps back and open it up now for some of these other tight ends? I, I see the tight end position in the depth chart as a uh, tight ends playing packages, and you can have multiples on the field. You can only have one on the field. So I see this depth chart as a little bit more fluid than made just set in stone kind of thing. And uh, for Adam Troutman, because he presents the greatest overall skill set as far as the mix between being a pass receiver and, and run blocking, he gets the nod now. But I think Greg Dulcich is certainly going to lead this group in receptions. Um, Adam Troutman will probably be second. Um, but it's all just going to depend on the game plan, what the defense is doing, what the defense is weak at, and that will determine what packages as far as the tight ends will be utilized. But going to the back of the tight end depth chart, Albert O is a guy I think who can hurt himself tonight. Yeah. Uh, real quick, though, with um, Adam Trotman, does he have to catch every football that comes his way? In order to kind of fend off all of these other guys, and or does he have a little bit of that leeway because he can kind of do it all? You heard how Sean Payton talked about him. I think Sean Payton's got a comfort with this guy because he's coming from you know being coached by Sean Payton before. And so if Adam Trotman were to have a drop tonight, he's not going to be suddenly moved behind Chris Manhurts. Trotman presents the best skill set in, in that room. Manhurst is the run blocker. Dulcich is the receiver. Troutman can do both. Gives you the versatility. and doesn't become an automatic tell for the defense when he's on the field. Okay, so now you're saying Albert O. You thought that he could hurt himself? Oh, absolutely. I, if Albert O, he's getting an opportunity to be on special teams. Hmm. If he plays special teams the way he run blocks, then, you know you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Then we, we've, we've given you the opportunity here in game one to show us you can be a physical con- contributing member to our special teams. Um, you've already shown that your run blocking is not up to par. We saw it last year. We've seen it this year in training camp. So you're already at the back of the tight end roster anyway. But if you can't excel at special teams, there's no way you can really be on this squad. We don't have a room for a tight end who can't contribute in either the run game or in special teams. Shouldn't he pop up off the screen, though? Because he was running with the ones. He's been running with the twos, and now we know, hey, fifth string tight end, you're probably going to be running through with the threes. Shouldn't he pop off off the screen tonight and actually have a little bit more success for the fact that a lot of these guys are probably not going to be playing football here in a couple weeks that he's going against tonight? I hope so. I hope he he pops off the screen. Hopefully that's the case. Hopefully he is able to do some dominant run blocking against a third edge guy or a third outside linebacker tonight. But if that's not the case, then, you know, the the, the coaches don't even need to have a discussion. The, the tape from practice and from the game will speak for itself as to what to do with Albert O. Moving right along, Marvin Mims Jr., He's number three on the depth chart at the wide receiver position. Mm-hmm. You know, he's the starting specialist. Even though Montreal Washington was drafted a year ago to be the kickoff returner and the punt returner. Marvin Mims Jr., first game in the, under the big lights in the NFL. Can he help himself or hurt himself tonight? 
Uh, I think he can he can definitely do both. Um, now, Marvin Mims, because of his where he was selected in the draft, is certainly going to make this football team. He's going to get opportunities past this preseason if it doesn't go well for him. But considering he played it at a big-time school, made big-time plays for that big-time school, um, the skill set, in my opinion, I've called a number of Oklahoma games over the last couple of years, is definitely there. It's just about him understanding the nuances of the offense from a receiver standpoint and being able to handle the uptick in speed that comes with the difference between being a returner in college versus the returner in the NFL. The, the coverage guys are all fast. They're all really, really good. So can you make that transition? Because we talked about Montreal Washington earlier performing very well in this training camp. And so he and Marvin Mims are battling for that kickoff returner, punt returner spot. He hasn't done it, though, before, live. Mm-hmm. I know that he did it in college, right? Aren't you worried a little bit about him tonight for the first time? You know, punt return one, here, here we go. And, and now these guys are coming, and, and they're coming to hit you, right? And, you know, here's a kickoff, and now you got to go return this thing. So it's one thing to do it out there on that field against your teammates. You know you're not going to get hit. So does that worry you at all a little bit? No, because it's, it's, this is if you're going to do it, let's do it in the first preseason game. Let's get some reps under your belt so we got time to get you coached up. Whatever your error that is going to occur, tracking the ball wrong, uh, wrong hand placement trying to catch it, uh, not not fair catching when you should have, whatever the mistake may be, I want you to make those mistakes here in the preseason. I've got plenty of grace for that as long as you don't become a mistake repeater. Yes, let's start checking off that list now so you can hit the ground running in the regular season and not going to make these very basic errors that uh, you know a rookie's going to make early on in his time being a returner. Montreal Washington was having a great camp. People were ranting and raving about him, but yet he's not you know the starting punt returner. He's not the starting kickoff returner. When you look at tonight's game against the Arizona Cardinals, can Montreal Washington help himself or hurt himself? Uh, I think he's a case where he can do both, uh, but I think the ability for him to move up to the top of the wide receiver depth chart, that's not really going to happen. Mm. So the ratio of hurt versus help is definitely more on the hurt side. If he were to bobble a punt return again, okay, man, you've had yourself a good camp, but you had to give yourself a good camp last year, and you were unable to make that transition from practice to gameplay. Now, if that shows up again, yeah, then he's his ability to move up this roster or solidify a roster spot is going to be greatly damaged by that. We already talked about how this wide receiver room is going to be crowded. There's going to be some difficult choices out there. So Montrell has to perform all preseason long to ensure himself a spot there. Switching lanes real quick to the defensive side of the ball. Depth chart came out and said, at the start of safety position, opposite of Justin Simmons, Kareem Jackson slash Caden Stern. So mm-hmm. when you look at you know both of these guys, obviously these guys want to win that spot. Who do you think helps herself? Who do you think hurts herself when it comes to that opposite start and safety of Justin Simmons? Uh, Kareem Jackson's in a tricky spot. They want to see if you still got it left. Um, and if you look old, if you look slow, if you look like you, you know, as an older player, one of the more difficult things is breaking down in space to make a tackle. If you miss some tackles out there tonight, I know it's preseason game one, but with all his experience, I'm sure they expect him to be able to hit the ground running. He could, the Kareem Jackson one is difficult because there's some folks saying if he doesn't earn the starting spot, then does he even make this football team? Because mm-hmm. chances are Kareem Jackson is not going to be a special teams guy for you. And do you hold a roster spot for a backup safety 
because because of his experience in the league. And he's just playing backup safety. And he's just backup safety. He's not contributing on special teams. So he's in a bit of a tricky spot. And the fact that there is a slash there now with the starting assignment clearly shows the coaches want to give Caden Stearns that opportunity. When you look at PS2, we know that the person opposite of PS2, he's going to get all the smoke. Damari Mathis last year showed us that, hey, he doesn't have that fear. He has that short-term memory. Chargers game had a horrible game, but yet was able to stay out there and kind of move on to the next play. Um, what are your thoughts were helping or hurting himself when, you know, playing against Arizona tonight, starting off preseason one? Oh, I think they've got a lot of confidence, Damari Mathis. He, he To go through the baptism by fire as he did his rookie year and to emerge from that still confident, still being able to recover and play at a high level, not allowing one bad play to be two bad plays to now to be a whole bad game and then follow up into the next game. you got to have a short-term memory at that position, and I think he's shown that. And he grew during his rookie year. And if he's going to continue to make progress here in year two, which I assume he will be, uh, I, I don't see anybody on the roster who is going to threaten to take his job. I know there was a lot of hope about Riley Moss, but with the abdomen surgery, he's out for quite a while now. Um, yeah, man, it, it's it's Damari Mathis in, in my, or Bust, in my opinion, there. I couldn't agree with you more. Just really quick, just want to get your last quick thoughts on Jonathan Harris because, you know, Matt Hennington had been the guy for me that I thought would have took over that, that opposite defensive end position, that opposite of Zach Allen. But obviously, you know, the Broncos feel very good about Jonathan Harris. Do you think that continues and he helps himself or do you think that, you know, that job is still up for grabs? I think his job is still up for grabs. I don't think Jonathan Harris has a, has a lock on this job. Matt Hennison has made a lot of plays during training camp. So uh, of the defensive starters looking down that list, this may be the one that was put in with pencil and not with permanent marker. And I could would not be surprised if we saw movement on the depth chart after this game. When Chad and I get back, our senior editor at denversports.com will be joining us. James Merrilla, here we go, baby. Getting you set for the Broncos preseason opener with the Cardinals tonight. Here's the Players Club. You heard that music. You know it's Friday, so you know who's joining us right now. Our guy, James Merrillat, who is our senior editor at DenverSports.com on the Johnson Auto Plaza hotline. James, how you doing today? I'm good, fellas. How are you guys? Happy Friday. I'm doing great, James, because Broncos football starts tonight. Yeah. And, and I'm with you. I'm with you. I haven't been this excited for a preseason game in quite some time. Now, you know, we'll get through the first half and it'll kind of start to wear off, but uh, very curious to see how they look in the first ever edition of the uh, Sean Payton era here. So, going to get to see the starters. I'm pumped up about it. Football's here. It's exciting, huh? Yeah, exactly. So, what would you say you are most excited about? The Sean Payton era, the fact that we're going to get to see the starters. Uh, Russell Wilson, maybe you know, turning back to uh, the, hitting the fountain of youth. Like, what are you most excited to see now you know that it's for real tonight and they will be tackling to the ground? Yeah, you know, I, I feel like what we're going to see tonight is what we should have should have seen a year ago, right? And, you know, I think we need to have the the little pen from Men in Black and just kind of erase what we saw a year ago from, from Russell Wilson. Doesn't mean it didn't exist. Doesn't mean it's not cause for concern. But I think it, it, we're going to be watching tonight what we expected 
to see a season ago when the Broncos uh, traded for Russell Wilson. And I think we'll start to feel better about the fact of, hey, they've solved the quarterback position. So I'm excited to see Russ. I'm excited to see Russ in a in an offense and a system that isn't just a complete mess that is a, a hodgepodge of what he did in Seattle and what Nathaniel Hackett wanted to do and the most complicated offense in NFL history and all of that nonsense. So um, that I'm excited about. But my number one thing I want to see is I want to see a team that goes out and competes. I don't care if they win or lose. I don't. But I think last year, especially the game in Buffalo, the fact that they just didn't care, and they didn't care that the three different Bills quarterbacks had two incompletions the entire game and marched up and down the field, to me that was a a, a big red flag. you got to go out there and compete. I don't care if you're in practice, if you're at the bowling alley, if you're playing putt-putt golf, whatever. Uh, do you have that in you? I want to see that from the Broncos tonight. Go out and compete no matter who's on the field, what the score is, what's going on. All right, you gave us some uh, generalities there, James. Um, But considering you are beating the drum for the Russell Wilson Comeback Player of the Year Award, what do we see tonight from Russell Wilson in the first opportunity with Sean Payton's offense? Some specifics. Well, I, I think, first of all, and this is, boy, talk about starting at the at the basics. It's, you know, getting in and out of the huddle in a timely fashion, getting plays off in a timely fashion. You know, I, I think that's the first part of it. I want to see him making throws, uh, you know, in rhythm, right, and, and, and going back there and um, working his way through his progressions and getting the ball out on time and all of those kind of things and not just having it turn into immediately break down and you got to scramble. Um, so I just want it to look like, hey, he, he, he's in command of what's going on. And I also want to see Sean Payton put together an offense that plays to Russell Wilson's strengths, right? So, look, he's going to move around a little bit tonight. At least I hope he does. But I hope it's not just, you know, out, out of chaos and on a, uh, on a broken play of, you know, move him outside the pocket a little bit, let him throw on the run, all those kind of things. So, I just want to see, Chad, I want to see him run an offense and have it look like it's competent. And maybe that's a a low bar, but after what we saw a year ago, where sometimes it would look good, sometimes it looked like a disaster, most of the times it was was a total mess, that's what I want to see. So um, I, I I think it's being on time and being deliberate of, like, there's a plan. One thing sets up the next. That's just not what we saw last year. James, when you look at, like, Last year, the Broncos' defense, they weren't the problem. And, you know, VJ comes here, he comes back here as the D.C., and VJ's tasked to learn some of the, the you know, language and lingo and some of that defense that the Broncos were run, running last year. He doesn't just bring in his defense. Is that a good thing or a bad thing for a guy who was a head coach, was it left and became a D.C., and now comes back as a DC, and now he has to learn a new language, essentially, to get on the same page with the players on this defense. I think it's probably a good thing, given the fact that, especially in the first half of the season before the Bradley Chubb trade, they were a good defense. And then, you know, after that trade, and Randy Gregory was hurt, and they just didn't have, um, they, they weren't able to generate a pass rush, and the defense really did kind of fall off. I mean, geez, Christmas Day, that was a, a mess offensively, but they also gave up a 50 burger, so that's on the defense to some extent. But, you know, when you have a defense that uh, that a lot of the pieces are back, most of the pieces are back, they had success. It is easier for one person to learn something new than, you know, 11 starters and all of the all the backups. So I guess I get it, and I like the fact that 
it's a coach that's open-minded and it's not, hey, you have to run my system. So many coaches fall in love with their system versus, hey, what are the players that I've inherited here do well and let's try to uh, let's try to modify it and adapt it to that. So I like the fact that VJ's open-minded to doing that. It does worry me a little bit, though, of like, man, what what is it that you want to do that you like to do that you think is going to be successful? So I, I'm 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 going to give it a positive O, but it does concern me a little bit, just a little bit. Like, you know, I I, I kind of would want him to be a little bit more of you know, hey, I, I'm in charge here versus. Uh, the tail wagging the dog, but we'll uh, we'll see. We'll see. It's 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 different. It's open minded. I like that. But we uh, we all fell in love with the you know kind of the well you guys didn't I did the open mindedness of Nathaniel Hackett last year during training camp, and that blew up in our face. So I'm going to be cautiously optimistic this year. James, uh, you mentioned maybe in the second half you'll be uh, maybe not paying as close of attention. Is there somebody who's going to play in the second half? Uh, maybe not looking at the entire offense and the entire defense, but somebody who's being counted on, or your, or maybe your, your your favorite dark horse candidate to to make the roster. Is somebody like that the fans should be dialed into in the second half of tonight's game? Yeah, I think this receiver group is going to be really interesting to watch. I think Taylor Grimes is a guy that you know has gotten a lot of attention during camp uh, with the Brandon Johnson injury. He he'd probably get even more time. Uh, who knows if he's even out there in the second half? That'll be interesting. Um, so I, I think watching. A lot of the receiver group, when is Marvin Mims on the field? Is he playing in the second half? Can he make a splash? Montreal, Washington, like there's a lot of guys that have an opportunity here with the Tim Patrick injury uh, to step up and, and make themselves somebody who's not only going to make the team but be a, a, a contributor. I think the tight end position is fascinating. You look at Albert O, and he's fifth on the depth chart heading into the first preseason game. He will be out there in the second half. Can he do something to uh, to move himself up the depth chart and kind of dig his way out of the uh, out of the, the doghouse? I think that'll be interesting. And then defensively, can they continue to, to get the pass rush that we've seen in training camp? Can we see that in a game against a different opponent? So, you know, Randy Gregory, Frank Clark, those kind of guys, if they play at all tonight, it'll be, it'll be early and it'll, it won't be very long. But Jonathan Cooper, Nick Benito... Those aren't really dark horses to make the team, but are they dark horses to contribute and be big parts of this defense? I think they are because Nick Benito last year was uh, very underwhelming as a rookie. Does he make that leap? I would assume he's going to be out there quite a bit in the in, in the second half and and trying to show that he has. So it, it's those kind of guys for me um, that I'm looking at. So it's uh, it's deep on the receiver depth chart, deep on the tight end depth chart. And then second and third team pass rush guys, see if anybody can step in and, be, and work their way into that rotation. Uh, James, when you look at the whole Alberto situation, there's no way that Alberto could be a part of like the first wave of cuts, right? Uh, well, I mean, you know, it's it's I, I suppose he could, and you know, clearly there's a there's a situation going on here where Sean Payton doesn't want to have tight ends on the field that are a tell. That when they're out there, you know it's a pass play, and when they're um, not out there, it's a, it's more than likely a, a run. So there's a reason why Troutman's listed number one. He's the one guy who can do both. Is he the best blocker? No, that's probably Manhurts. Is he the best receiver? No, that's probably Dulcich and or Alberto. But he can do both of them, and it's not a, a clear sign of what they're going to do. So if Alberto can't learn to, to and show that he's learned to block. Yeah, I think he's a guy that uh, is going to have a very hard time making this team. You have to be able to do both and be competent at both. Um, and, and at this point, he just hasn't shown that. So we shall see. Oh, I, I think it's going to be interesting tonight when he's in the game, 
particularly when they're running the football, there were a lot of times a year ago where it was just a total whiff on his part. That's just not going to fly. If that's what's happening and he's not even competent in the running game, he has no chance of making this team. Uh, James, with Mike McGlinchey uh, out for the preseason, does Cam Fleming, uh, being one of the tackles for Russell Wilson, give you any concern about the ability for Russell to drop back in the pocket and be protected and also for Sean Payton to be able to run his full offense here in the preseason? Yeah, it does, because we've seen a lot of him during training camp, right? Garrett Bowles, a couple of times when I've been down there, has had the day off, so we've seen Cam on both sides of the of the line. He's been a guy that, you know, I mentioned Nick Benito looking good in camp. A lot of that has been against Cam Fleming, so, uh, yeah, that's certainly a concern. And I think it's one of those where if, uh, if the first series, and I know they say they're going to play 12 to 18 plays, if they go out there in the first series and they get a first down and they punt after four, four or five plays, but it is just uh, he's a turnstile at tackle, I would take Russell Wilson out of the game. I, I, you know, you want him to, to kind of get some rhythm and to get some confidence and for the offense to look good and everybody to be excited about the direction it's going, but not at the sake of, hey, we can't protect our quarterback. So I do think that's something to watch, Chad, early tonight and just make sure, hey, is he at least able to uh, to give Russell Wilson a little bit of a shot here? If not, it's certainly not worth the gamble with a uh, with a backup tackle out there. Awesome stuff, James. Thanks a lot for joining us. We appreciate you, man. All right, appreciate it, guys. Have a great weekend. You did the same, James. Thanks. It's James Zerlat, our senior editor at DenverSports.com, and he was joined with us on the Johnson Auto Plaza Hotline. When Chad and I get back, our first edition for the 2023 season, our keys to victory and our predictions, that's next. Getting you set for the Broncos preseason opener with the Cardinals tonight. Here's the Players Club. Orlando Franklin here with the Players Club, joined by Chad Brown. And Chad, the Broncos kick off 2023 tonight against the Arizona Cardinals. In your opinion, what has to happen for the Broncos to assure a win? It's the preseason, man. I don't care about wins. I, I, I really don't. The the pace of play, the style of play, the quality of play is far more important than the, than the win or, or the loss. And let's face facts: if the game is lost in the you know halfway through the third quarter, the fourth quarter, well, those most of those guys won't even make this roster. So uh, let's focus in the first half. Let's focus on the ones and twos, and let's focus on this coaching staff. Uh, I expect Sean Payton and his staff, being the professionals that they are, to show up prepared, like we saw last year. Um, and I expect Russell Wilson to be able to play better because his offense will be coordinated better. So my expectations are certainly high. Uh, hopefully they'll be able to meet those, but I am not looking at this game from a scoreboard perspective. I'm looking at it from a continuity offense, from a communication on defense perspective, pace of play, tempo, in and out of the huddle, getting to the line of scrimmage with 10 or 12 seconds left so the quarterback can then have a chance to call the motions and recognize zone or, or man coverage, or whatever the case may be. Those are far more important than the score on the scoreboard when the clock has zero on it. When you look at the just preseason games, not a lot of coaches really put together game plans. We heard Sean Payton talk about they were going to look at Arizona yesterday at practice and then jump on the flight last night. They got a walkthrough, I believe, today in Arizona before the game, and then they got to play, right? Um, is that enough in preparation when you look at preseason games, or should there be more, less? Not, you don't look at it all. You just say, hey, we're going to run our plays and see how guys respond. Like, do you think it's 
the right way that this experienced coaching staff is going about it. I think so. I, I think game one of the preseason so often is this way. Now, there are always a, a coach who wants to do things differently, but most coaches approach this thing very similar where you're working on yourself. You've got a very, very basic structure of a game plan based on a couple of games you watched from Arizona or from the coordinator, wherever he was last year. But you're not spending time as coaches. You're not burning the midnight oil. Okay, so when you know when we get into three wides, they're going to go with this. And therefore, we've got to, you know, Sean Payton and staff haven't been doing that. The mock game will be next week or the third week of the preseason where you pretend it's a real game and you develop a game plan that like you would during the regular season. That's not here in week one. It is about can our guys execute the basics that we have installed. And we get a chance to evaluate them as football players from a physical skill point uh, standpoint, not necessarily the super detailed nuances of our offense, which will come later during the season. Washington, New England played last night, and Mac Jones was not out there. Mm-hmm. Is Russell Wilson just playing tonight based off of what happened last year because it was so bad? Or is he playing tonight because this is just Sean Payton's philosophy and he's going to play his starters in the preseason? I think he's going to play his starters in the preseason. He wants to give them the best chance for success. Now, Sean Payton is here the next five years. That plan can modify. If Russell Wilson gets back to previous Seattle form and he's very comfortable in Sean Payton's offense, then maybe there's a preseason where Russell Wilson doesn't play. Uh, But right now, he's got to get comfortable with this offense. And Sean Payton's philosophy, being a Bill Parcells guy, is you Get your guys tested in some game action. Um, so I'm not surprised by Russell Wilson playing. Um, but, you know, Patrick Mahomes played in two of the three preseason games last year for the Kansas City Chiefs. I think he and Andy Reid were definitely on the same page offensively, and they managed to win the Super Bowl together. So uh, I think it's just more of a philosophical approach than a, a, a need-based approach. And, you know, Mike Tomlin's going to play Kenny Pickett, and all those guys in Pittsburgh are going to play. That's the Steeler philosophy. That's Mike Tomlin's way of approaching the preseason. Well, you look at just Sean Payton calling plays, right? And, you know, he talks about 90% of the pre-snap or the, the miscommunication happens with the sender. Do we think you'll see uh, Lombardi at all this preseason calling any plays or it's all Sean Payton and he has to use all three games as dress rehearsals to be ready for week one? That's an interesting one because we're hearing about coaches who are uh, allowing someone else to call plays to get some practice. And yeah. In Tennessee, this first preseason game, Mike Vrabel is not the head coach. He's going to be there, but he he gave his associate head coach the head coaching title for this game. So he's doing the meeting the night before the game. He's doing the conversation with the team right before they go out on the field. He's been setting up the game plan. So this is an opportunity for some of these coaches to get a chance to uh, get some experience and reps under their belt as those guys. And so the preseason is for the coaches as well. I'm not sure if the first year with Sean Payton, if he's going to do something like that, but I would not be surprised if during the course of this preseason that Joe Lombardi ends up calling a quarter or half of football uh, so Sean Payton can be confident this guy uh, knows what he's doing. Will that become a trend as far as, hey, you know, head coach and very bold, let, let me step down. I love the idea. You pump up these coaches, you give them the responsibility. Last year we saw how kind of bad it was with Nathaniel Hackett and, you know, the first home game. And, you know, so do you think that this will become a trend in the National Football League? I hope so. I hope so. Uh, and I, and I think these coaches recognize that if some of these guys are, who are part of their coaching staffs have such great, great skill sets that if I don't do something unusual like this, this guy may never get a shot. And, 
you know, we've, we we can look at Eric Bieniemy in now within Washington, but his time in Kansas City, um, it was generally considered that he was not uh, a huge component of what they were doing offensively. It was Andy Reid's offense, and it was Patrick Mahomes. So he had to leave there, make an unusual move to try to get himself advanced in his career. So I think Mike Vrabel is trying to give his associate uh, head coach, defensive line coach, that opportunity with not uh, being forced to move some other place to get the attention and spotlight so he can get evaluated by the owners. No, you talked about not caring if the the win and all the scoreboards, but if the Broncos lose tonight, you would have to think that it's pretty bad. Really? I, I would think so, yeah, because Arizona is not supposed to be good at all, in my opinion. Like, just looking at what they have offensively. You wouldn't agree with that? Uh, if they Broncos lose the first half, if it's if it's one on ones and the Broncos were to lose the first half, that would be concerning. But if the Broncos third and fourth teams get beat by the Cardinals third and fourth teams, um, not to say I don't care, but I don't care. Huh. Those dudes aren't going to be on the roster anyway. So you got to win the first half. Yep. But um, it's okay if uh, the the third team gets the score ran up on them. <laughs> The 13 gets scored, the 21 down there, it is what it is. You know, we just move on from that thing. I, I want to see some fight. You know, I, I want to see some, some C2 in this from the, from the twos and threes and fours. No doubt about that. I don't want them to get blown off the field, but it's more important for me to see Russell Wilson and this offense get off to a good start. And with Sean Payton's experience, I expect that to be the case. It's been heartbreaking to watch the news coming out of Maui this week. And unfortunately, here in Colorado, we are all too familiar with the damage of wildfires. Our company at Bonneville has launched a fundraiser to help the people of Maui. Head to denversports.com, and at the top of the page, you'll see a link to the Bonneville Maui Strong Fire Relief Fund. 100% of donations will go to the Hawaii Community Foundation serving Maui. Again, that's Bonneville Maui Strong Fire Relief Fund at denversports.com. Super fun show tonight, Chad. Uh, hopefully the Broncos get a, a win. I'm, I'm, I am counting wins and losses. I know that you are not, but hopefully they do get it done. Stokely and Zach coming up next.